Okay, this is Tanya Smart with the Smart Chronicles. Today we are joined by Mr. Al Pete. Uh, Mr. Al Pete is an, an artist, uh, an MC, DJ, podcaster, actor, producer, everything. He's a uh, jack of all trades here in Jacksonville, Florida. How are you today, Mr. Al Pete? All is well. How about you? I am excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, just to give a little bit of background to the listener, I've known Mr. Al Pete for about 15 years. Uh, we've been working together in, with the youth, uh, open mics in the community, but it, it really started uh, at the open mics, and then we partnered with uh, the some local nonprofits here in Jacksonville, Florida, cre creating free workshops to to the youth, and you know him being an MC and a DJ, providing his feedback to the youth concerning their writing, and as well as him helping the MC some of the youth events that we had uh, in that time in, in Jacksonville, Florida. So as I alluded to, Mr. Al Pete has, he wears a variety of hats. He's grown into a brand. I mean, you've grown uh, from being Mr. Al Pete, DJ, people see you as a DJ, and then them not knowing you're an MC, now they know you're an MC, then you go out there and start producing people, then you create this whole brand, and you've got the groove suite, and you've got the um, socks and tees, all of these things that you do throughout the city of Jacksonville. So yeah. how, how would you how would you describe yourself if 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 I would ask you which I am how would you describe yourself and what it is that you do, Mr. Al Pete? Uh, just I don't know why the word mogul just came up. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm Embrace shooting. It. Embrace yeah. it. Don't walk away from that. You yeah. All the work that you've put in for the last twenty years. Yeah. It's been a long time, man. It's been even with you saying, you know, you know, fifteen plus years that we've known each other. Just think about all the stuff that we've done, um, even with the uh, the poetry scene when I, you know, first started DJing with with you and that. Like, just being a, a influence in that regards has just been like very great, and just understanding how people want to be uh, appreciated in, in regards to the arts and being able to give back to my community that I, you know, that I serve and everything. So. Um, I, 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 I will stand in, in the mogul words of it. So, but I'm honored, I'm honored to be doing like all these things because I'm just so interested in all of these factors mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm just as interested in other people that share those factors as well. Like I really dig a lot of people that's doing a lot of stuff here from the portrait scene to the hip hop scene, to the DJ scene, to the, uh, activist scene. Uh, politics scene, every, everything that involves media, everything. Like, I'm just very engulfed in the, uh, a lot of the stuff that goes on in Jacksonville. And I, I'm just glad that I can, like, serve a, a good amount of people with my talents and add to the whole, you know, the whole overall aspect of the culture. Excellent. So let's start from the beginning. You're a, uh, a Duval. Um, we know you're a resident, but you, were you born in, and bred here in Jacksonville, Florida, Duval County? Nope. So I was, I was, I'm a um, transplant, so to say. Um, well, my family, my family is from Jacksonville. My mom's side primarily. Uh, my, my dad's side of the family is primarily from um, uh, Central Florida uh, in that area. But my dad is, was in the military, so we was traveling around. So I was born in Tacoma, Washington, where, I was, uh, where he was stationed at at the time. My granddad was, my granddad was stationed there, too. Um, so I guess they got the history of Tacoma, Washington in them. And then we just kind of bounced around everywhere from Texas to uh, Tennessee. Stayed in Germany for a couple of years when I was uh, like two or three years old. 
but I finally uh, made my stop in Jacksonville back at my grandma's house on Northwest Jacks uh, when I was about seven, seven years old. And that's, this has been my home ever since. Wow, I was going to say I didn't know that, but I think that when we had, when I interviewed you years ago, yeah. um, you made mention of that. So your dad, was he in the Navy or Army? He was in the Army, yep. Yeah, so you were in what, Stuttgart, Germany? Dad, I don't know. Like I, uh, that's where I the army base is. There's two places in Germany. That's the only one I that I that comes to mind that most of my friends had um, been to. Yeah, I, now I definitely know in Texas. I was at a uh, my dad was at a Fort Hood. Mm. Fort Hood. Uh, so we he stayed in Fort Hood, Colleen, Coppers Cove, um, those those uh, tri cities. So that's where he was stationed at in Texas, uh, Tennessee. I'm not sure. Yeah, but I, I definitely know uh, Fort Hood, Texas for sure. I remember that like the back of my head. So, side note, I've always known your dad to be the principal. Your dad is the principal, not your mom, right? Yeah, my daddy, uh, yeah, he's definitely in uh, school administration for sure. Yep. Uh, he's currently at Baker County High. So he yeah. transitioned. So how did he make that transition from the military to education? I'm not sure. So uh, I know when he transitioned from the the, the army, he was because um, my dad's a preacher as well. So he was doing a lot of like church work, and then I, he just navigated into the into the school aspect of it. Uh, I mean, he's definitely a, 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 a educator. Mm-hmm. He's definitely full of knowledge. Um, so I just it doesn't surprise me that he. Uh, trans you know transcended over there so in that area and he does a great job in that in that field and he understands people he understands the uh philosophies and psychology of people in general and understanding like how knowledge works and how to educate somebody and illustrate some things so it was easy for him to like do it um i just don't remember like how the hows and why is it just one day he was this mega preacher and then next thing you know he was back home in Jacksonville at, at school, so. Yeah, that cause I, I asked that question because that's a, a huge shift, the Army, where you don't ask questions. You know, this is how things are going to um, be executed, and it's like that for a reason, because you're trying to save lives. And yeah. then you go into a school environment, and there's an ex- expectation, there's a certain expectation that the, ki- that the children ask questions. And then it's not, it's not as, uh, regimented it's not you don't have that um amount of same amount of discipline in the school system because you're dealing with kids you're dealing with middle school you know you're dealing with elementary high school kids so it's a different kind of discipline so that that's interesting so let's let's advance a little bit further along how did you get into the music (laughs) my dad my dad uh my mom my dad is uh my dad's side of family uh so my mom's side of the family, they're the uh, missionary church type of people, t- church black folks. But then like my dad's side of the family is more so the um, the educators, the the jazzy, you know what I'm saying, Cosby show-ish <laughs> family or whatnot. So, I mean, you know, I, I experienced a lot of music dealing with my dad. My dad, uh, my dad is, uh, is, was a DJ. Um, so and it's funny how I got into that whole DJ thing. And when I found when I got into it in the beginning stages, like I, I reflected back and was like, darn, I didn't realize that my dad was 
is a DJ. And even, you know, within a couple of years ago, he's, I've helped him out at gigs and stuff, you know, give him music and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, that's where that influence comes from. It was just a lot of music in, in, um, in the family. Definitely on my dad's side. Um, my uncle played saxophone. So that was an influence. A lot of jazz music was being played um, when we was over at my, my grandparents' house. So, uh, and then me getting into playing the saxophone, it just heightened everything up. Me learning how to play piano, it just heightened things up. And um, my dad just really just played a lot of music. My mom played a lot of music too, but it was like a different type of uh, passion with mm-hmm. my dad uh, versus my mom. So my dad was like really, really in it. like. Just the, the the sounds and just the messages, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I got that from him uh primarily. So what came first? The the DJing came first or the MCing came first? Oh M MCing. MCing for sure. MCing came first. Um in the midst of me learning how to play piano and saxophone, um, and listening to jazz and like my mom's side, we you know, it was it was heavy gospel, uh contemporary R and B. Um, this is in, you know, in the eighties. So, um, in the midst of that, um, I would go to my, my uncle's house, which is my dad's brother. And, um, he would be playing, you know, your MTV raps, rap city. And I started seeing these people, you know, rap over like jazz ish type sounds. Mm-hmm. And it just really grabbed me. And, um, so, you know, my intro, you know, just the eighties stuff, you know, listen to Big Daddy King and, uh, LL, Run, D, Run DMC, Public Enemy, you know, that type of stuff really grabbed me. And I'm like, okay, cool. But then when like Try Call Quest came out, it was like, I was like, yeah, this is that funk. And I'm like, and then my uncle was rapping as well. My uncle is like three years uh, older than me. So him and his friends was always rapping. And I, and I just, I really looked up to my uncle and was like, you know, he was that, that male influence the consistent male influence right there. My granddad was there. My dad was, you know, out of town, in the town and stuff like that. But like seeing my uncle really like hone in on this like rap stuff, actually making a name, him and his friends would rap and, you know, just, they, they would just rap and it'd be fun, but it was so cool that he did that. And he would like flip tapes. We did like stop tapes. Like, you know, you listen to the radio, you, you hit record when the song come on, stop, you know, part. And then he would like loop beats with cassette tapes. So seeing all of that just really like put an energy in me, like, yeah, I think I want to be expressive more with this hip hop stuff. And then I, that's when I really got into like uh, poetry, and, and I realized that I could put these words in a in a rhythmatic form. Mm-hmm. That's hip hop, and, and that's what I that's what got me into it. It was just another form of expression for me. So I just really tagged on to being a, a hip hop artist. And that was the that was the first. When you said when you mentioned jazz and how that influenced you, and you talked about hip hop, and the first thing that came to mind to my mind was a Tribe Called Quest. And then you mentioned Tribe Called Quest. Then the next the next artist or artist that came to mind was Pete Rock and CL Smooth. Yeah, and they, that is the most most known, well known loop that we reminisce over you, Troy. That yes. whole loop. I remember, man, so many years ago. I went to, this is when they used to have concerts where it was, you know, kind of like the the Fresh Fest where you'd have 
five, six, seven different acts. And I just mm -hmm. a concert I went to at Key Sweat, Queen Latifah, Naughty by Nature, BBD, you know, had about five or six acts. And I remember Naughty by Nature because that was the first time I had ever seen them in concert. And mm -hmm. they were really good live. I think people don't talk about them enough and what kind of impact they had on hip hop. Um, mm -hmm. They had these huge anthems back in the day. And when you would see them live, they were great. But they also had this love of hip hop and hip hop artists. Yeah. They yeah, were yeah. on a stage and their DJ, uh, the people don't talk about him as a producer. Uh, he was a really good producer, the DJ of um, Naughty by Nature. And yeah, so yeah. I remember they played the loop to remember you. And that's all they played. They just played that loop for about a minute. And the whole crowd started rapping to, I reminisce about you, Troy. They wow. reminisce about you. And it was a tribute to that song, the Pete Rock, CL Smooth, Heavy D and the boys, all of them. And they had enough appreciation for that song. And you think about that loop. When that loop comes on, there's no denying what that song is. You know what that song is. It's one of those songs where as soon as it comes on, you stop. You stop preparing because you know you're waiting for the lyrics. That yep, song yep. has held up. That album, wow. that album as well. I mean, just the whole like, so like with Pete Rock, that whole when he embraced Mecca and the Soul Brother, mm -hmm. like that whole uh, embodiment that he had with that spoke a lot to me because I remember bumping that album. What was that, ninety, ninety one or what? I had to be in middle school when that album came out, but I bumped that album like crazy, and it was funny. And this is a weird story, well, a weird thing, but uh, we used to take these trips. I went to uh, Northwestern, but like they would take a bunch of us and we would go to uh, Virginia and like tour, you know, like we would like go see, uh, like what is it, Thomas Jefferson's house and, uh, you know, like those little things. So me seeing all this stuff on TV, the uh, Rap City, you're on TV raps, reading these magazines, seeing all this culture, the fact that I went up to like Virginia, up north somewhere and being in there, just so being that type of guy a kid where i would hear this music and then turn around and be somewhat near the places that they were in it just it did it for me another another story i remember the first time i went to new york uh nas uh the world is yours was just had you know came out or whatever and we went and saw the uh the statue of liberty and let me tell you on that boat going to Statue of Liberty, it blew my mind. Like, just the whole, that whole embodiment of that feeling. Like, how you how you mentioned the feeling about when a DJ plays, uh, when they rem reminisce over you. It's like, it's like I was having all of these type of moments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And this is a kid from Jacksonville, Florida. Like, we ain't got that culture down here. We got, you know, we got Luke, respectfully. Um, you know, we had the, the ghost DJs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So being able to be in these type of spots just added added like ten times energy, and me being you know the the musician that I am now, in regards to being in hip hop and MC DJ, it don't even matter the clothes, fashion, whatever. So it just you know all that helped. I um I remember even the Lords of the Underground, Ooh. they came they came performed at uh, YMCA on Cleveland Road. Like I I grew up on Northwest Jackson. I I'm a Y baby. Mm -hmm. But they came and performed for us. And I'm like, you know, everybody, all other kids was like, okay, that's cool. It's hip hop. They're popular. Da, da. But in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking like, yo, this is like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is do it all. 
rapping. <laughs> I'm like, like, wow. And I, you know, I mouthed every song, you know, the chief rocker, mm-hmm. uh, all of that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, just, I, I know I just went on a tangent on it, but I mean, I just think it, it makes me think about the first time, or even now when I hear uh, reminisce of you, every time I hear it, I still get those butterflies as if I'm, you know, 10, 11 years old or whatever. And it just mm-hmm. makes me feel good that I'm a part of this culture, this overall aspect of the culture. I'm thankful that I'm even in it, you know? Yeah. Do it all. He's producing movies, but I do believe about, about two years ago, he ran for office as well in, in New Jersey, maybe Newark. Man. But, yeah. And they met, the Lords of the Underground, they met at Shore University. So they met in college. And I remember, I think the first song they had like was like Psycho. But then, Psycho, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we used to jam to that CD, but then they came out with, yeah, the next one. Like, the Chief Rocker. I died for the funk. <laughs> yes. Like, that, that, just, they being so passionate about it, seeing them on, on, on the camera being unapologetically like them and, and embracing hip hop and even embracing like the black culture, you know what I'm saying? Having like, me having a way to embrace myself as a black man mm-hmm. in this culture, you know what I'm saying? Like I embody that so much more now than anything. You know what I'm saying? It just made me feel good to be proud to put on like, you know, cross color or whatever, or rock yeah. the rock the the Tims or whatever, mm-hmm. and be able to be a part of this this group. So with all that, I just want to be able to provide that with the people in Jacksonville. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you definitely have that. You can tell you've been influenced a lot by that New York Northeast rap. Yes. And so let's talk about that. You, a lot of the South has been influenced by that. And then at a certain point, the, the South said, well, you know, we have our own sound. And for me, it kind of began to become apparent when Outkast came out. Like, I'm not, I'm familiar with the South. My family's from the South. I remember coming to Florida. I came to Jacksonville, Orlando when I was a kid. And I remember just enjoying the difference. Honestly, I love New York hip hop, but I remember coming here and my cousins uh, telling me, well, you know, these people across the street, they have this song and they put on, it's 95 South, whoop, there it is. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But but me enjoying the different sounds, there's, there should be an appreciation for that New York, Northeast sound, but then the South brought something different. They brought the fun. Cause I remember going to certain, you know, hip hop clubs when I was younger and, you know, you listen to the song and there are certain hip hop songs that people chose to dance to, but there were some where people just stood there and nobody was really dancing. And so when you come to the South, let's have fun. Everybody's dancing. And then you saw MC Hammer come in and he brought that dancing too. And he didn't have the the lyricism that some people in the Northeast had, but they brought a different experience. And that's what you get when you have hip hop from different regions. Oh yeah, for sure. And so how did you, how did you take that Northeast New York hip hop vibe and that influence and turn it into to your style? Style being that you're from Jacksonville, how how were you able to transition it so that it speaks to the people here in the city? Um, well, Outkast. First off, Outkast is my favorite group of all time. Yeah. Like, I mean, first off, first it was Try Call Quest. Like, I I'm a really big like Q-Tip fan, Nas um common but like when outcast came you could tell they had the influence as well from try call quest and from yeah. the the new york music and stuff like that but they was able to like 
bring a lot of elements that they that they grew up in mm-hmm. and bring that South flair to it. So when they when they presented that to us, and then when they presented Goody Mob and like the whole Dungeon Family, so when they when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, so I can still be able to be lyrical and then turn around mm-hmm. and still have that, that Southern Southern hospitality to it. Yeah, I'm good. Like, I, and so it just made it easy for me to to do that. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, and then I, you know, me studying hip hop and understanding what 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 exists in hip hop culture, um, you know, the four elements. You know, what I'm saying, you think about the four elements of hip hop, and you think about, uh, and you know, uh, expression when it comes to uh, b boys and and graffiti and you know, DJing, MC, every all that stuff. So when you are like, I felt like if you would if you would respect it and acknowledge those forms, but still be able to put your flair to it, it, it it's it's a recipe for, it's a great recipe. So Outkast was definitely that reassurance, like, okay, cool, these guys like really rapping, but at the same time too, they having fun while they rapping and they're, and they're totally themselves and they're very expressive in their own. So it just made it easy for me to be like, oh, okay, cool, I'm just gonna do what I do and be, you know, take elements that I appreciate from up north or the west coast and be, and be like, okay, cool. I, but I still have this Jacksonville flair about me. Like I still, even with everything, you know, a lot of people say, Al, you know, it'd be so funny people think that I'm like from out of town. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm from like 45th, of the, uh, you know, from Northwest Jacks. But, you know, and some people can still tell that I still have that like Jacksonville in me, those Jacksonville traits and that, uh, those characteristics. So with that, yeah. It's, hold on, it's, uh, hold on, hold on. What does that mean? What, the Jacksonville traits? Yeah, characteristics. Um, you know, Jacksonville has this, this manner of, 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 of people. It, it, we, we, have, we have our own thing. I mean, it's just, I mean, even, let's, let's start from the whole Duval chant. Like, we have our own and we embody our own. So, um, I still have this like walk and talk as if I'm, you know, as, as if I'm a product of Jacksonville. Like I, you know, I just have that sense of pride. It's like the characteristics for sure. One is like a sense of pride. Like you can tell without people really even yelling the Duval chant, you can tell if, if, some, if somebody's from, from Jacksonville to an extent when it comes to that pride. Like they, they just, they just prideful in a lot of things. And I feel like a lot of pride shows when you talk, but sometimes it shows when you're not talking. And I do feel like I have that type of characteristics when I, when I bring, when I do my music, when I do hip hop or when I DJ or everything that I do, I still have that sense of pride. Like, okay, cool. We, rep- you know, I understand everything going on, but do remember like, this is Jacksonville based and this is, this is where my people come from, but we still have those elements that were uh, working the, you know, in a universal form. So that's just one of many things, but you know, everybody says people from Jacksonville got that that slang and that you know that that walk or whatever. So that stuff comes out, you know, from time to time. You know, <laughs> it yeah. comes out. So, what do you think? So people from the outside looking in, um, when they hear about Jacksonville, some people are aware of. Uh, where Jacksonville is and some people are not. And Jacksonville is the largest city in the continental United States. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a growing city. It's, and I've been here since about 2001 and we've been talking about the city growing. It's not growing to me. It's not growing at the rate in which it needs to grow. 
Um, no, we constantly do a comparison of Jacksonville and Atlanta, and Jacksonville and Atlanta completely different. The amount of residents we have, um, I do think it does need to grow at a faster speed because of, of what, what we have here. Um, I was very shocked to see how much talent, the amount of talent that Jacksonville produces and has produced in the past. People don't recognize that. And I fault Jacksonville for that. I've, I fault Jacksonville people for not calling out other people who are from here and they may not have blown up here, but you were, you really helped cultivate that talent here. And then you brought it to another level and you may have gone to Atlanta, you may have gone to New York, you may have gone to California, Philadelphia, and then you may claim those cities, but that was cultivated here. And then you blew up other, other places. And I think because Jacksonville does not call out some of these artists, that people don't realize how much talent is here. Um, yeah. the poetry, the, the visual artists, the, the MCs, there's a lot of talent here. And so sometimes we, we get a little anxious. We're like, can we, we need to grow the size of Atlanta so we don't keep on losing these artists. Um, mm -hmm. Why do you think that Jacksonville has not gotten the acknowledgement for at least creating these artists? You know, you birth these artists, you know, give, give us some credit. Uh, I be, it's that whole, it's that whole, uh, what's it called? Small big city yeah. mentality. It's the, it's the small big city mentality. Uh, the fact that we're in the South plays a role to an extent. Um, the whole red, the red aspect of it. Shouts out to all the politics going on right now. Uh, uh, the, the mentality is here, mm -hmm. you know, um, and the mis the the, uh, the misconceptions that a lot of people have. I think a lot of people hear a lot of things about Jacksonville and and they shy away from it before they even realize like something is like really here. I mean, people, you know, anything bad in the media or anything bad that somebody says, people like draw to it. Mm -hmm. And and I think misconceptions now. I think now misconceptions are like one of the biggest things when it comes to Jacksonville. That's uh, one of them. What's one of the um, misconceptions? Yeah, about Jacksonville. That it ain't no, that it isn't our scene here. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people feel like you know when people think of Florida. Let's, I mean, speaking on a national aspect, when you think of Florida, a lot of people immediately think about Disney World beaches, mm. uh, you know, palm trees, flamingos, and stuff like that, and uh, or old people, old people. They think about people coming here to retire. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the uh the spirits of that you know what i'm saying people are like okay well we don't think about nothing else because the art scene or the entertainment scene won't exist here if there's like old people here like hey, there's no old people going to look at uh rappers and that da, 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 or there's not you know you got a bunch of transparent military people here they're like okay well i'm just here to do my assignment and i'm out when honestly speaking you have a lot of uh you know older people that like support local artists here like local arts they you know they they they, they patronize their work um <laughs> the mc side of it i mean i feel like we breed a lot of great mcs as far as like mcs and like uh, poets like the way the way that we shape our words is like you know and i'm i'm not speaking from a biased uh part of it but i do feel like the level of people that we have here on just the like the 
spoken word or artist type of side of it. Like we we are strong people. Like we are very strong, and we've we've had that. Like it's a melting pot. You get stuff from the West Coast. We we learn from the West, Midwest, uh, up north, all that, and you bring it into like this gumbo of things. Like like we really get kind of like the, the the good aspect of it. So when you got somebody around here saying that there's no MCs right here or there's no art scene or there's nothing going on and you keep saying that over and over again and people just gonna start believing it. And then they just don't think about, oh, well, let me go visit this place. You know what I'm saying? Or let me go, let me go try this restaurant out. Or, oh, I saw this art show in, in Folio Weekly, blah, blah, blah. Let me you know at seven o'clock, let me take my family to go see it. Because you're so busy hearing everybody else saying, oh, well, there's nothing going on. So you automatically think, oh, there's nothing going on when people are still surviving in during COVID. You know what I'm saying? The art scene and the people in the arts. I mean, shouts out to Love Rain, man. Like, you know, uh, Love Rain, like she been like going, 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 still mm-hmm. holding virtual events, still, um, you know, with her podcast and stuff like that. Like she's vibrantly like been going and she's been going for like years. You know what I'm saying? So um, those misconceptions can block a lot of a lot of things. A lot, it, it can shield out a lot of things that people need to see. That's one of the big ones for sure. Yeah, it's a stereotype in which it, it's there's some truth to it, but there's also a lot of falsehood to it. So there's truth in 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 and false in, in in everything. And oh, yeah. so it's easy to just believe the bad parts about it. So I was doing an interview. I conducted an interview with actually Chanel concerning gun ownership. And I did a little bit of research um, just a crime in Jacksonville. And as I was reading, I was thinking to myself, I don't feel unsafe in Jacksonville, any part of town. I don't feel unsafe. I understand there is crime going on. But when I was reading all the information, I thought to myself, you by looking at all the information that's out there, you would think that this is one of the worst cities there is in the United States. Right. Living here, it's a different experience. Right. Um, going to the open mics where they had poetry and hip hop, and remember hip hop hell back in the day. Yes, um, yeah, I remember yeah. going there, and I think it didn't start until like twelve or one, or eleven o'clock at night. And I had a nine to five, and I would just wait up. I would wait. I'd go after work. I'd go home, take a nap, <laughs> and then I'd go to hip hop hell, and I was just so impressed yeah, uh, because yeah. of the MC. And I was like, wow, I didn't know there was so much talent. And the MC was dope. So if yeah. you just listen to everybody else, you wouldn't know. And then you talked about it being a melting pot. This is a city that has two naval bases. You have people coming here who whose parents are in the, in the military or they're in the military. And that also lets you, let's also talk about the fact that people who are in the military are not one homogenous group. They're, they're may be, they may be in the military, but we, I remember seeing some artists who had military background, of course. And then we've got Bilal. Bilal is a police officer. Nobody is just, you know, no one group is just hom- homogenous. And so right, you're getting right. people who are in the military. You're getting police officers. All of these people are artists. You're getting people who are from coming from around the world, around the country, uh, coming from, you know, Asia, Europe, different parts of the United States. So they're coming here, bringing their own flavor and, yep. and, and joining the community and that you're getting exactly what you said. You're getting gumbo. Yep, you're getting the gumbo in it, and it's good. Like it's not like they're just a bunch of people out here just doing it and winging it. Like we we actually have great content. Like mm-hmm. it'd be so funny when people uh, discover certain people, 
And, you know, I, I don't be that, I don't, I'm not the whole, I told you so type of guy, but, you know, people come to me, yo, I ain't really, I, I didn't know so-and-so did this, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, go, go listen to some more stuff, or here's some other thing, da, da, da. I'm never the whole I told you so, but I see how people really be, like, impressed. I see when people come to my events, when they come to the, the various events that I was doing, and people be like, wow, I didn't even think this exists in Jacksonville. Like, I was able to come here and be safe and, and you know, and, ha and have a good time. And, oh, I'm able to wear a T-shirt with, with some socks. They, there's no, like, no dress code or I ain't got to worry about nobody, like, shooting nobody. And I'm like, nah, like, my, my sector exists. And there's a lot of other sectors that exist as well. It's, it's a lot. You just have to, you know, block out a lot of those misconceptions and, and, and go from there. I ain't even, and I ain't even speak on like, that's just, uh, you know, a tip of the iceberg. We ain't talking about like the government. We ain't talking, you know, like, you know, politics, like all that stuff. That, now that, a lot of that stuff plays a little bit more of a factor. But um, I think when people, you know, for change to happen, you know, we got to explain what's, what's the, you know, go to the core of it and then be able to kind of expand and see how things work. So I'm, I'm gonna have I'm gonna demand that you do some humble bragging here, um, because if, if anybody noticed, like you don't you're not talking specifically about the things that you're doing. So you've always been that humble kind of person. Let's talk about the the events that you do put on. I mean, you you wear when we I mentioned about five different hats that you wear: MC, DJ, podcaster, actor, producer. You're a yeah. businessman. You know, Daisy's line: I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. Let's yeah. talk about some of the the actual events that you're putting on and, and your your different business ventures that uh -huh. you know that you're partaking in right now. Mm -hmm. So event wise, so I recently just did a Fly Society Seven. Um, due to COVID, we didn't have like an actual like event. We usually have it at 1904 downtown Jacksonville, where we have one night where we bring the community together, uh, influencers, etc bring them all into this one room and we just have a good time. It started off as my birthday celebration, but after the, like the, excuse me, the second or third year, it just got bigger than me. And I was like, yeah, this is a, this is a culture type of event. So, um, uh, like I said, Fly Size T7, we did an online festival. We did it all week. And, um, I run a podcast network called the neighborhood podcast, uh, network. And, I wanted I wanted to be able to showcase them to my to my crowd. I wanted people to understand my position when it comes to podcasting. So that's like a new a new venture that I have. Um, I wanted we had our first three panels panel discussions. We we discussed about DJing. We had a panel about social change. We had a, a panel about the art scene, and. Um, that was great too, because I I wanted to get more into that. You know, I want to get more into uh, um, uplifting and bringing awareness to my community that I come from and the people that exist in it. So that was great to do that. And then on top of that, we had the DJing as well, like the party aspect of it. So uh, that was inspired by me wanting to do that. I've been wanting to do a festival for a couple of years now. I'm I'm gonna do a real real festival at some point, but. Uh, the COVID situation was a, a gift and a curse. So mm -hmm. um, I was able to pull that off. Seven years of doing like a Fly Sauce and Tease event um, in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I'm very proud to say that we're at number seven. We're rolling into number eight. 
So I'm proud of that, man, to keep that going for so long. Um, then I have other events as well, like the Grew Suite. That's okay. more of a, uh, that's a sub-brand. Fly Sauce and Teas is a sub-brand as well of Mr. Peterson's Neighborhood. But the Grew Suite is more so, uh, you know, a sophisticated, you know what I'm saying, loungy, chill type of uh, uh, brand. Um, and this this was inspired by uh, Popular Smoke, Boomtown, Nocturnal Escape, uh, the events that we've done, Tony. Like, uh, I mean, those, the Groove Suite is, I mean, everything that I do is a reflection of something that I've done in the past. Mm -hmm. But Groove Suite, for sure, is definitely that whole, like, I want people to get that Nocturnal Escape feel, the, the Boomtown, the, you know, the, the open mic feel. And so we, we provide, like, sounds and, um, brands and even all the way down to the coloring of it and we 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 want people to uh, come and just have a chill vibe but still be able to listen to music and have a good time and then i have my other events like the the infamous mpn warehouse parties whereas we we go like we at a warehouse or any type of place and we're just like outright having a good time so right. uh, i incorporate myself with some other events as well uh like r&b mostly um, I deal with a lot of podcasters, so we're working on like some things, um, some events. We're working on it. We this COVID stuff got us got us hemmed down, but we're gonna be creative with all of this, you know. Excellent, excellent. So what what about the producing? I know you you produce for um, what's her name? Um, Megan. I don't I don't call her by her government name. I'm trying to avoid MG Baker. I'm, I'm trying to avoid calling people by their government name. MG Baker. <laughs> Listen, shout out, shout out to MJ Baker, but listen, if when she finds out, when she finds, when she meets a person and she finds out what their real name is, she'll call them by their real name. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not ashamed to call her Megan at all at this point, because, you know, um, we, we have a, a, a great relationship. She's my business partner, but at the same time, too, uh, I was able to give her, I was able to, like, give her some type of hope and the things that she wanted to do. And even with everything that I'm doing, a lot of people say I give people, I give people a lot of hope. So with that, you know, I kind of, I kind of be the, the cheerleader, and and be like, okay, well, let's get this going. So in the producer aspect of it, I'm just, I'm just her ear in regards to that. Like I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just a, a person that she can throw ideas off with, and I just kind of give my input. Like, okay, this might, you know, let's try it this way or let's try it that way. So it's not necessarily like me making the music, it's more so just the uh, the production, the producer part. That's the role that I kind of, I, that I play when it comes to MJ Baker. But yeah, I mean, she's a great artist, man. Outside of just being a great business person and a great friend, she's definitely a, 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 like a very great artist. And I'm glad that I'm able to like help her produce. Now I, I have made a couple of beats or two for her. Um, so I'm just waiting on her to pick it and, 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 and blow on it. I know she's gonna kill it, so. You're, you're the ditty to her, Mary J. Blige. So, exactly. so, so we're talking about government names. I think people would assume that your name is Al Pete. <laughs> you know, uh, and it was a couple of years, I think maybe about two years before I realized that wasn't your name. Yeah, well, it's, well, it's part of my name now. So, you know, the, the, the full name is Wayne Allen Peterson. Yeah. So my first name is Wayne, but like my middle name is Allen, last name Peterson. So that it got chopped from that. So, um, but it's funny people still feel like I have like, 
I, I think people still think that my name is like legit Al Pete, like mm -hmm. on my birth certificate. And <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because it's such a common name to have for like what I'm doing, you know, like, yeah. like who would have thought, like, you know, when you hear Puff Daddy or P Diddy, yeah. but then when you hear his name, his name Sean Combs, it's like, oh, okay. But then the fact that people are like, oh, that's Al Pete's name, like, that's your stage name, man. Your 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 birth name, yeah. So my name is Wayne. <laughs> right, right. My authority, yeah. But see, even with that, um, with my family and friends, uh, with my family is more so Al. Mm -hmm. I came I came up as Al because I'm I'm a senior, so my dad is uh is Wayne, Wayne Senior, and I'm Wayne Junior. Mm -hmm. But uh. Growing up in my family, my family was always Al or Alan. And then with my friends, I mean, in school, it was Wayne. You know what I'm saying? Authority is Wayne. But like, once I got into the community of what, what I'm in right now, it, it became Pete. You know what I'm saying? So it was a it was a toss up between, sometimes you hear Al, sometimes you hear Pete. So I think people, when people hear that all the time, you know, even when I'm not in the role that I'm in, when it comes to DJing or MCing, and they still hear Al and still hear Pete, it's easy for somebody to say, oh, well, that's his name. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the other ventures you have with, with the podcast, because you and I had a conversation about two weeks ago about um, you know an idea that you had. And the idea was to create a podcast where you can have a discussion about the political events and, and not, not just having anything that's going to guide people toward any particular party or not something that's trying to guard, guide people toward a certain opinion. But what you stated to me was that you were looking to have like a forum, a platform where you could educate the voters, whether on a local or a national level. Um, do you wanna, you wanna talk about that? What actually uh, prompted you to move forward with that or to, to really, yeah, yeah. How, did you, how you became interested in that? Yeah, so um, I'm a part of this uh, this movement called Color Jacks Blue in Jacksonville. Uh, it's it's powered by a six foot six feet gallery. Shouts out to Shawana Brooks for her creations on that. So uh, her idea for Color Jacks Blue was to basically get a, a bunch of artists, um, influencers, uh, which we, which she she dubs as amplifiers, get them together and be able to be you know bring the arts. Um, bring the artist aspect of it to the communities and like um, be in alignment with uh, advocacy groups, voter advocacy groups, and kind of like join forces to be like, you know, to, to bring some type of empowerment and um, voice to the community of Jacksonville and be able to uh, educate people in regards to the voting aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I wanted to flex the, the journalism aspect of it. Um, I just recently got my degree in communication and media from uh, Florida State College of Jacksonville. Um, always had an interest in uh, the media aspect of it, even during this whole hip hop stuff. Me being a hip hop artist, I always paid attention to like the media aspect of it and what role and what influence they have when it comes to the, the presentations of our culture, the presentations of, of how black people exist and stuff like that. So I've always had an interest in that, hence why the podcasting world for me is like really cool for me because I feel like that's a major form of uh, media that we have going on now. So I was like, I mean, I'm, and so with Color Jacks Blue, they gave us the option 
to be artists and be do whatever we want to do in regards to our, our our artistry and be able to use it some kind of way to be able to empower and to like bring awareness to our communities so outside of me being a hip-hop artist and a dj producer whatnot i definitely wanted to do the podcast aspect and be able to talk to people and have like these conversations and so and this is coming from a personal experience like i i have my thoughts on voting i do exercise my right to vote but i like i had to like tap into what i grew up in like when i was growing up voting was not a, a conversation in our in our family my grandma worked up every time voting came around my grandma used to always work the polls but that was it that's all i knew like she that was the only job she had because she was a she was a, a, a housewife mm -hmm. But every time it was time to vote, she would just go, she would be there all day. And, but we never like discussed it. We never discussed it. Um, you know, we would see stuff on TV and stuff like that here and there. Might talk about stuff in school, but nobody really like honed in to, well, to me, to know how voting happens and, and how it works. Like we just decided, we just thought that, okay, well, we'll just vote. We knew when we turned 18, we had to vote. Mm -hmm. We had we had to register to vote, and if we didn't, we was gonna get shipped off somewhere. That was the that was the narrative that that was brought to us. So we just had to do it, and I remember doing that. So with all that being said, I had I tapped in on a lot of stuff and was seeing like, okay, these these politicians say they're going to do this, they say they're going to do that, but then I don't see it, and I don't understand why that's not the case. So instead of me researching it, I immediately was like. I don't want to vote. I don't like the way voting works. Da, 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 and I just I easily went like that. This is me being 2021, 20, like yeah. George Bush, Al Gore uh, moments. So my granddad brought me to the side, told me about everything that he was dealing with, you know, like the sit-ins and everything, the protesting and all that, you know, around the time when he was, you know, when he was a young adult. And made me realize like a lot of the, the fighting that he was doing was setting up for me to be able to have that uh, easier way to vote and he really broke it down to me like how it works granted you know i had a kid too and all that so even in the kid part like not really understanding like the importance of voting and like understanding the legislation the legislation part of everything mm -hmm. i still was kind of like naive to it but i know that i need to be a part of it because this plays a major role in a lot of things that we do from the potholes in the street all the way to who's going to be the president you know what i'm saying so mm -hmm. um me getting more knowledge of that as time went by i was like all right cool so what i'm going to do is i'm going to be i'm going to go with my community i'm going to open this platform up and we're going to have these conversations with politicians influencers and I want to have conversations with my cousins and with my homeboys, you know what I'm saying? And like general conversations. And I want to be as transparent as possible to let people know that I'm like, I'm on the same boat with you of understanding how this voting, how voting is really important and how we need to take that seriously and understanding just the whole systematic suppression of it all. You know what I'm saying? And because if I know if I feel like this, it's a gang of people that feel like that too. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people just won't vote. And I and and it's like I side with them, but it's my my duty 
as an influencer in Jacksonville, Florida, to be able to offer that voice and offer a, a platform for opinions and conversations and stuff like that. So that's how Color Jacks Blue uh, got created. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, between now and in November, we're going to be having some some conversations. So one episode might be, a, you know, a very informative, intense conversation with a, a politician. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, the next episode might be, you know, I might be interviewing somebody like um, DJ Energy, you know what I'm saying? Like her, like, but we'll have like a casual conversation. But I want people to, because, you know, when it comes to politics, people get, it. it's daunting. It's daunting as all outdoors and people shy away from it because people just don't understand it and they feel like it don't work for them. But I feel like we have to give that level of education to these people. So I'm glad to be a part of that, and mm-hmm. um, that's I'm, I'm 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 praying that's what's going to help. I hope people, I hope my community listen to it and mm-hmm. be like, you know, I can I, I can dig it. So let me go research these people, um, go vote for these people, and after that, hold these people accountable for what they what for them being in office. You know, it it's, it starts there, and it's like a lot of other stuff. But I want to make it as general as possible. A lot of people would attack you like crazy. You know what I'm saying? They're attacking you, be like, "Oh, you didn't vote," and it's like, you know, we have to take the time to see why these people didn't vote. You know what I'm saying? And like, like I, I, again, I'll state again: if somebody, if, if I felt the way that I felt, or didn't even get to educate, didn't get the proper knowledge of how voting works, you know what I'm saying? I could just imagine hundreds and thousands of other people who are in that same boat. So instead of me complaining about it, I need to I need to be able to educate them, like help 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 some kind of way. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah, so that's good that you like that because I know when when it comes to and I and I'm I'm gonna be transparent. I am kind of nervous about taking this this uh the step with the, the podcast, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When we talking about politics, I'm nervous about that. Cause you know, it, it's not DJing, it's not hip hop in a sense. It's just the expressions of what I do that I'm bringing towards it. But yeah, I mean, you know, if an MC step up to me, I'll, I'll know how to address that. If a DJ steps mm-hmm. up to me, I know how to address that. But for me to be in a political world and I understand how, like I said, daunting it is, and the, the, even just the vocabulary in, in that, it throws people off. It throws people like off. Like as soon as they hear, uh, you know, the three branches of government, they might they might know it, but they just probably be like, man, it just it, it, here we go with some deep stuff. I got to go feed my kids, and you know, and 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 that's respected. That's respected all day. But I mean, I'm here, and a lot a lot of other people are here to really kind of break that science down and be like, you know, let's look at it from this way, and. You know, your voice is value. You know what I'm saying? That's one of the main things too. Your voice is is, is a is a value. Like it, it's it can be it's it's heard. So I appreciate you, Tony, for you know, for you being that nerd and being, you know, <laughs> for real, and being understanding about that. Like saying, okay, well, you know, it is a choice. You know, you if you do it all right, but these are the I understand these are the repercussions of it. You know what I'm saying? Like that means a lot. For for me to hear, you know what I'm saying, in my place that I'm in. So just imagine if like, which we should, we should have a conversation about it on my podcast, but mm-hmm. about this type of stuff. When people hear us talking about this, you can just imagine the change that people go, you know, and that's just the change. We ain't talking about the actual process. 
Yeah. People ain't got cars. People, you know, you got COVID. People don't want to be around people with COVID. You know what I'm saying? It's all like all of this is so. Yeah, it's a lot. But I'm 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 willing to fight that fight, and I'm ready for it. Let's go back. So let's go back to a little bit more of the music, and we're gonna do like some top fives or your top MCs, top songs, uh, okay. the song that changed your life, and then and then I'll let you go on with the rest of your day. So uh, I know that Outcast. I remember from interviewing you years ago. They're your top group. Yeah. Let just spoke to so many people. It was the beats with the Dungeon Family. Man, that those beats were just ridiculous. And then the MC. It was yeah. great. So I know yeah. Outcast is your favorite group. Who do you think? I don't want to talk about or mention groups that you always hear about. Like people talk about their top five. I get it. People want to say Biggie. I think he was dope. Tupac. I get it. Jay Z. Uh, how about some MCs who you feel that are rarely mentioned? And and my example would be Ice Cube. It's it's controversial, but I think that people forget about what he brought to hip hop. Um, and he, he crossed over. He was on the West Coast, came here, it was produced by um, PE's producers, but never strayed away from, you know, being a West Coast MC and was a very dope MC. Yeah, uh, Ice Cube was on my top five, actually. Nice. Uh, he, he definitely on my top five. Just just the way that he, uh, his delivery, his, uh, you know, his characteristics, um, the way that he just kind of hones in into the craft, like I, I think that's a tremendous story, and I would like to know a little bit more about it, uh, about when he came to the East Coast, and kind of you know it was almost like him going to the Mecca, you know what I'm saying? It was like him taking this, this uh this trip to you know what I'm saying to the other side of the world and getting that peace, and he got that with uh what was it a uh, Public Enemy uh they they bon production Squad. yeah Bomb Squad yeah so. For that to to happen, and for him to be so uh, to be so intelligent, but still be like in your face, you know what I'm saying? Like being politically driven, but being able to do it in the form of hip hop. So I definitely think, even what he's doing now, like I see him doing stuff here and there, but I haven't like really kind of sat down to really like see exactly what he has. He has like this site. I saw him on like Roland Martin uh, mm -hmm. show, and um. I want to get more into what, what he got going on, but it was funny because, like, you know, I'm, I'm big on Twitter, uh, Mr. Al Pete for everybody. Um, on he and, and and he said something, and, and like everybody was going at him. It was like, you know, he's a uh, you know anti-Semitic, and I'm like, I'm like, um, this is the 1991 Ice Cube that y'all are looking at. Like, he hasn't changed at all. Like, this is this is the message that he's been talking about forever. Mm -hmm. So it was funny that they was trying to like ban him, not ban him, but you know that whole cancel, cancel. culture. Yeah. Yeah, that cancel culture. But um, so I just I just love uh Ice Cube for sure. I love uh what he stood for. I love the fact that he's just like unapologetically black, you know what I'm saying? And for him to be that in hip hop. Um, some other MCs, um uh, Fonte for sure, Fonte from Little Brother, um, Black Thought for sure. Uh Common, Common is on my list. Uh, I, I, Common, so in the movies and stuff now, but I don't think people realize like Common still gets busy on the microphone. Like mm -hmm. really, he's he's a thorough a thorough like uh, MC. So him, um, them them my shooters right there. Like uh, definitely like Black Thought, Fonte, um, 
them guys, man, them guys, they need they need a little bit more praise. I would I would I praise them all the time, but they need more praise, especially Black Thought. Like um, him, Royce the Five Nine. Like yeah, like let me think. Um, Royce the Five Nine, definitely. He doesn't yeah. get the acknowledgement, and part of that comes from the fact that he rolls with Eminem. Right, right. And and when you have two lyrical beasts. People want to choose one over the other when you really should just have an appreciation for just dopeness. Right, for dopeness. Yeah. So yeah, Royce, Royce gets slept on a lot um, from that. Um, I guess somebody I wouldn't consider him. Well, he's nowhere near new, but the newer type of artist, maybe like Sahad the Prince. He's dope. Um, he's he slept on. Like it, it was some news that came out the other day that he wrote a lot of Travis Scott's music. And nobody knew about it. And but it was funny because it because when I heard it, I was like, that don't surprise me at all. <laughs> so because he's so talented as an MC, whatever, but he's always in the shadows. But even still, like nobody really talks about him as much. So I had a prince. Um and I'm gonna say everybody in Jacksonville, man. I don't care. I mean, all the MCs in Jacksonville. I feel I feel like it should be more conversations about Peyton Locke, may he rest in peace. Uh yeah. Willie Evans for sure. Um, Maestro, uh, Jay Maestro from uh, Stone Old Echo, um, Tough Junkie, Mass Appeal, yeah. um, even the newer guy. Well, you know the, the the newer guys that are starting to come out, they have a very uh, fresh energy. But like people that's been around for years, the people who I just mentioned, for sure locally. So, what are your thoughts on Rhapsody? Oh, she's great. She's she's great. Um, I'm trying to figure out like how why everybody's trying to, and I know that I know it's because she's just a because she's a female, but it's like everybody's like trying so hard to make her exist in this in this like circle or sector or whatever. And I and and the sector is simply because. We have like this enormous amount of like female DJ, uh, female MCs now, so it's like it just seemed like it's so like hard pressed to to put Rhapsody in this in this group. And I'm like, let her let her, me personally, I'm like, let her just by herself. Like she over here, she she doing her own thing and she's fine. Like every time like uh, Cardi B or like Megan Thee Stallion is mentioned, it's always you know always matched up with. Rhapsody, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Am I what I'm saying? Yeah, it makes sense because we don't allow female MCs to be female to be MCs. Um, we want them to be in this one one genre, or we compare. Like you have Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B, um, and they exist, and so we say, well, only one style of of hip hop can exist at one period of time for a female MC. When they yeah. all can exist at the same time, they are existing at the same time. And they all have an appreciation for one another. Cardi right. B gave a shout, out, a shout out to Rhapsody and a whole bunch of other different MCs who are very different than hers. They, stylistically, they're very different. And so they all should be able to coexist because they're all very diverse in the way they look, the way they sound, deliver their, their lyrics, uh, and the content of their of their lyrics. So I would, you know, yeah, there's, there's yeah. so many MCs out there in general. And we don't need to limit anybody based on their gender. No, because when I listen to Rhapsody, I don't look. I don't listen because she's a female. I listen to mm -hmm. her. I mean, now granted, after 
you know, when I'm listening to her album, especially like the the recent album that she released, you know what I'm saying? Like all her, like all her titles was was titled, you know, from like a powerful woman, you know what I'm saying, or a, a influencer. So yeah, I broke it down to that tip, and it came to the res- to, to the resolution that she's a female MC. But overall, she's she's just the MC to me. Like she's like a prominent MC. Like. I can put her next to any other male MC, mm-hmm. and she she should be able to exist. So I, I have I have a small problem with that, but I mean that's that's hip hop, and that's how people gonna do. But I I feel like people should just let Rhapsody exist in the world that she's in. True, I agree. So if if there was a a soundtrack or a song that was a soundtrack to what's going on now, because I do think I do liking what's going on to. In this period of time, in 2020, I liken it to the 60s because um, you, you're seeing a change in people's attitudes and there's a cultural shift happening in this country. Is there a particular song or some songs that you believe would be the soundtrack to what's happening in, in this period of time? Public Enemy Fight the Power. Mm. For some reason, like, it, yeah, that that song needs to get more appreciation than what it is, than what it gets. That song, I mean, you know, you mentioned the James Browns, I'm Black and I'm Proud, the, the Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, but we need to we need to mention Public Enemy Fight the Power to that same extent because, yeah. because a lot of the stuff that it was talking about in that, in that sound, I mean, that song still resonates today, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and it has that... Uh, it still has that cultural effect to it. Mm-hmm. So public enemy fight the power for sure. Um, I, I, you know, I ain't gonna front on y'all, man. When George Floyd, uh, when that unfortunate situation happened, I, uh, I immediately went to uh, Ice Cube, uh, uh, Lethal Injection album. Mm-hmm. And that, that, but that's just the, <laughs> I like, I, that, that, like, I have this small re- revolutionary, revolutionist, side of me you know what i'm saying i don't really bring it out as much but uh because i feel like there's that there are other people that represent that aspect well mm-hmm. and i'm just i'm just kind of here to funnel you know to help them elevate that part but yeah the revolutionist part of me definitely went to like ice cube uh death certificate lethal injection like i, I was playing them songs like oh uh the song's called we uh what is it called are we gonna tear this mother up that song uh that song by ice cube mm-hmm. that fight the power that those are the soundtracks for me mm-hmm. when it comes to what's going on um and but I, but I think that's more of the anger aspect of me <laughs> like that's more of the, huh it's human that's the human part yeah yeah i mean i never felt this i never felt this angry I mean, with the other situations, it was more of a sad, somber mode, and you know, you you you're frustrated and stuff like that. But I think with this, with the recent is uh, situation, I forgot the guy's name that got killed uh, in Georgia. Uh, Mark. Yeah, him, Breonna Taylor, and then the George Floyd. It just kind of like it kind of took me over the top and with my feelings or whatever. So I resorted to those revolutionist songs and coupled with what we're going on what's going on with covid i think that people no one could really put their finger on why 
these deaths changed anything because we, during the last couple of years, we've seen the increase of it. Um, it's really not just increase in, in deaths, in, in these type of deaths, but we've seen the, um, the fact that it's been shown on video and it's been shown on the internet and it took till now to people for people to have this type of reaction but i think that what happened is you had people who were in at home so people weren't working and so all of these images are coming across their phones laptops and their tv sets on constantly and you're seeing all of these images and and it just got to the point where people just reacted and so I, that's why I compare this time to the 60s. And at yeah. the time of the 60s, you had uh, us, the United States, involved in a variety of wars. You had the draft, and you had people who were really being introduced to television and the power of television and the power of all of these images. And you had the civil rights movement civil using the television. People don't, don't talk about that. It wasn't just talking about the humanity part of it. It was the fact that the civil rights movement took all of the races and then they put them on tv and then they showed the um, violence on one group and so you have young people right now who are taking these images and they're putting them on the internet and the internet and people who are part of the news groups they're taking these images and putting them on on the news and so everybody no matter what age race or gender you are being forced to see these images and now you're sitting at home and you're not going to work because your city, state, whatever has shut down. And so it reached this boiling point and that's where we are. So this is gonna be a very interesting election in November, not just on the national level, but on the local level. And we're seeing that right now where you have new politicians, whether they're Democrat or, or Republicans, but a lot of activist politicians who are being um, put on party, party tickets right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything you said is, is uh, definitely truth to that. I do feel like it's going to be a, a, a major amount of people holding people accountable, especially these politicians, man. And like, especially with the projects that, you know, that I'm in and just people getting more information because outside of, uh, outside of people seeing these like brutal uh, images online, they're seeing just as much as the information fly through as well. So they're, they're getting knowledge as well, like to how to change and, and how to, how to, you know, be of, of, of change. So they seeing these things too. So outside of that, people are going to like really expect more from a lot of these uh, politicians and just, uh, just people in general. Um, I do agree that, you know, the COVID got people sitting home and, um, you know, they got people, you know, it's got people thinking, you know, and you're home and you, that's all you're seeing. But I, I will say that, you know, this has been going on for, for a long time. And I just think people just tired of it. I just, yeah. <laughs> I think people are like, just totally like tired of, especially when it comes to black folks. Black folks, I just, I just feel like we just tired of like not being in knowledge and not, not even, just not even being a person. Like I just, I just want to be a person. I don't even, I, you know what? I, I've been more conscious of it now, I, of course, because of COVID, because it slowed our lives down. But I, I, I don't think I. When I'm in my little office spot where I'm at now, like I have to make sure that I leave at a certain amount in a certain time, so I can make sure I'm not in the streets late. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't want to be profiled. And I, but this is, this is not like a. 
it's not like a scary mode that I'm in. Like I'm just, it's just, so, it's so embedded in my brain. Like it, we're like black people. It's so embedded in our brain. We won't even realize how like mentally and like how mentally it, it's like got us like in this lockdown or, or struggle. Like we're so we're so programmed, and we we push our mental thoughts about this like away so much. We see Confederate flags every day. We see statues every day and we're just like all right let me abide by the rules let me not let me make sure that i don't go over there because it's you know it's white people over there and they might not like me and i might get killed mm -hmm. or if i get pulled over by police officer i know good and well i got everything in order i ain't drank nothing i ain't smoked nothing i ain't got no drugs my license and insurance is straight but when the police come and pull me over let me make sure my my camera is rolling with the with the with the footage or call three other people to make sure that I'm straight. Mm. Crazy. Like it's, it's crazy that we're in this, that mentally we're in that. So when we see the, 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 the unfortunate three deaths, I, I would say even without COVID, I, I think people would just been like ready to go at any given moment anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like COVID did add to it because we're home watching TV and stuff. And people, it's frustrations within the COVID. Like, people losing jobs and all this other stuff. So you got to add that to everything. So, yeah, I mean, and people just got fed up, like, very, very quick. But this has been building, this has been building up for a long time. Like, Trayvon Martin was what? 2015-ish? 14-ish? Yeah. For a long time. Five years. Five plus years. This, this type of stuff has, like, a like continuously been going on. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. I agree. So what do you what what are your social media handles? Social media handles. Everything is Mr. Al P M R A L P E T E. I don't do any 904. You ain't gotta worry about all these different names. <laughs> I like to throw that joke out there because people <laughs> they be like on Twitter. I'm so and so and so dot dot dot, and then on Facebook I'm the uh, uh, Mr. Al Pete on everything. So, um, Mr. Al Pete.com. You can go to uh, mpn-llc.com as well. Um, any of those two sites will take you basically in and everywhere in regards to uh, Mr. Al Pete and a lot of other my neighbors as well. But yeah, Twitter is my favorite, Mr. Al Pete. There, uh, Facebook, yeah. Facebook is Facebook. I have a Facebook is Facebook. Florida Facebook. That's what I call it. <laughs> is there any other project that you want to mention that you haven't mentioned already? Um, nah, I just, um, just the podcast network, the NPN podcast network, uh, the NPN network. Um, I'm really proud. I'm, I'm really on that real hard right now. Really on that. Just want to build up, uh, I want to um, reflect a very great media company with what I got going on. Because I do feel like the arts and the community, you know, shouts out to everybody else that that plays the role in the media company, but in, in the media world. But, you know, I want to be able to give a platform for my people to be able to express themselves on. So that's why everything's like neighbor, neighborhood, that type of thing. You just want to be like real neighbor, neighborly to the to the art scene and to the to a lot of the scenes here in jacksonville so that's that's like my main thing that i'm on right now like i'm really on that still dj still rap but 
I'm really priding on that because I want to be able to give us, I want to have a source for my people here in Jacksonville to be able to come and be able to present their work because we honor it and people, other people need to see it as well. Well, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Man, no problem. Congratulations on the podcast. Listen, <laughs> we're going to have some talks about this podcast and some other stuff too, but congratulations on it. And thank you for uh, having me on, on the platform. You're more than welcome. I'm, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn. It's interesting. It's an <laughs> it's a, it's a interesting medium. Yeah. I'm having to do things that uh, I'm not good at <laughs> technology-wise, but I've enjoyed everyone who I've interviewed. So thank you very much for, for uh, agreeing to be on the podcast. Nah, anytime. Uh, if you want me back, let me know. Will do. I'm going to hold you to that. Yes, ma'am. All right. You take care. Enjoy your day. All right, you too. All right, bye-bye.